Well, happy Father's Day. As we celebrate this day every year, here's one thing I know. Everyone comes to this day from different places. Some of you love Father's Day. Some of you hate it. For some of you, Father's Day is this celebration that always brings great joy. But for some, it's this train wreck that always brings great pain. And it doesn't matter how you, you come to this day. Almost all men want to be good fathers. Most of us long to be great fathers, great husbands. But I also know this. For us to be great fathers, we have to know that we have a great father. And that father is God. And God is the perfect father. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. You know, we're all on this continuum somewhere between having the best dad that anyone could ever imagine and then, and then never really seeing any of that in our earthly father. But we're not going to focus today on what we don't have. We are focusing on what we do have. And I do believe that it's possible for all of us to begin living today with the confident conviction that we are loved sons of a perfect father. Here's what I want you to grab hold of today. The way you learn to be a good father is by realizing you're in a family. The way you become a great father is by realizing you have a great father. And isn't that what we're all longing for today? You know, one of the things that all of us have in common, both men and women, is, is we all want the approval of our fathers. You know, it starts when we were little kids. Like you could, you could go to the pool with your mom like a hundred days in a row, but if your dad ever shows up at the pool, everything changes. It's, Daddy, watch me. Daddy, watch me. Daddy, are you watching me? And, and then you're jumping off the diving board or you're diving down to the bottom of the pool and, and you come up and it's, Daddy, did you see that? And all you want is your dad to say, yeah, that was amazing. And then you'll do it again, and you'll do it again because you can't get enough of it. It's just woven into every one of us. And yes, yes, we, we need a mom's affection and approval, but, but there's something about getting our dad's approval that cannot be met in any other way. It's just woven deep into us, this, this deep, deep longing for our father's approval. And our enemy knows that if he can damage our perception of our earthly father, then he can damage our perception of our heavenly father. He knows that the more he can distort our relationship with our earthly father, the better the odds become that he can damage even the possibility of us having a great relationship with our heavenly father. Because it's, it's hard to be a man after God's own heart if the most important man in your life wasn't after your heart. You know, most men I know are, are still in some way striving for their father's approval or, or maybe striving to disprove their dad who said they would never measure up, never do anything significant with their lives. And so we strive to achieve, uh, to earn, to gain status, and we don't understand that a lot of uh, that's motivated by that same thing that we had going on when we were little kids saying, Daddy, Daddy, watch me, watch me. You know, Jesus, he comes onto the scene Jesus walks into a broken world and he comes to restore what has been broken. He, he comes to, to things that are destroyed by darkness. He brings light and life and beauty. And the Bible puts it this way. He comes to give back what the locusts have eaten. And it doesn't matter how, how little or how much you've experienced brokenness, Jesus can restore. Maybe you're in a worst case situation on Father's Day today. Well, Jesus is bringing hope to you today. And even if you're in the best case situation today, Jesus brings even better hope than that to you today. 
I need to say something before we go farther. What we'll be looking at today applies to all of us, men and women. But, but I'll be directing my words primarily at men, at dads, at, at sons, since, since it's our day. It's Father's Day. And what I want to do today is I want to show you two ways that Jesus brings us hope on Father's Day. And then I want to show you two ways that we can respond to that hope. So first, two ways Jesus brings us hope on Father's Day. And here's the first thing. The number one thing Jesus does is he reveals God. And and what he reveals about God is that God is a father. Jesus teaches many things about God. God's the creator. God's all-powerful. Many, many more things. But more than anything else, Jesus teaches us that God is a father. And friends, this is the beating heart of our faith as followers of Christ. Over 200 times in the Gospels, Jesus refers to God as Father. And this is so incredibly important. He wants you and me to see God as a Father. It's actually how Jesus teaches us to talk to God. Remember when he teaches us to pray, he says, pray like this. And then we see this in Matthew 6, 9. He tells us we are to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then you can, you can just walk through all the key moments in Jesus' life and you will see that he's always talking with and always talking about and always pointing to his Father. In John 14, 9, Jesus says, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He doesn't say you've seen the Creator, though that's true. He doesn't say you've seen the Judge, though that's true. He says you've seen the Father. In John ten thirty, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I mean, just look at everything we know about Jesus' life all the way to his last moments on the cross when he says this, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's always teaching us that God is a father. And some of us struggle with that because of our earthly fathers, but but Jesus wasn't teaching us that God's like your father. He was teaching us that God is a perfect father. Jesus wants you to see today that God is not a bigger version of your dad. He's the perfect version of your dad. He's the father you've always wanted. Second way that Jesus brings us hope, not just teaching us that God is a father, he's actually making a way for us to be born into a family. See, Jesus puts us into a new family. And so, one day when a man named Nicodemus asked Jesus, what do I need to do to know life in the kingdom of God? Jesus didn't give him rules to keep. Jesus didn't tell him how to live a religious life. This is what Jesus said in John 3, 3. He said, if you want to be a part of God's kingdom, you have to be born again. See, the gospel is good news because the gospel is not about my performance. It's not about being good or bad. The gospel is about being dead or alive. And Jesus tells us, I'm going to give you a second birth, a a spiritual birth. And one of the things that implies is if you missed out the first time on getting a good relationship with a father, you get a second chance to have an even better relationship with the perfect father. See, when you're born again, you get a new dad. You get a heavenly dad. You get a perfect father. This is what John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so trusting in Jesus doesn't just mean your sins are forgiven and you get to escape hell. It also means you are a child of God. And and John adds in verse 13, "We're, we're children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
John actually amplifies this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Just powerful verses here. He says this, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. And you say, what does that mean? Well, he says it means this, that we should be called children of God. And then John, like bold faces, underlines it. He says, and that is what we are. And so, so Jesus is stepping into this conversation about fatherhood, and he's saying two things to those who don't know God as father. First, he says, I want you to know that God is a perfect father. Second, I want you to know that he can be your father through faith. And then the result of that is that we get this hope that now we can be the best fathers we can be because we have the best father that we could ever have. You see, to be the best father you can be, you must know experientially that you have the best father that you could ever have. And right now, right now, every man who is listening to me, if you are in Christ, you have this primary identity. You are the loved son of a perfect father. In fact, I want to encourage you to write that down. I am a loved son of a perfect father. Because that is your primary identity, not what you do for a living, not what accomplishments have you have on your resume, not the size of your investment portfolio, not your intellect or your status in society. Your primary identity in Christ is that you are a loved son of a perfect father. That doesn't instantly mean that all the hardships of, of an imperfect earthly father go away. It just means that God has done something new. It just means that you're a brand new person in a brand new position, in a brand new relationship with all kinds of brand new possibility. And you don't have to spend your life fighting against what your dad said. You don't have to keep striving to get something from your dad that, that some of you know you're never going to get on this earth. You're in a new relationship with a perfect father to live and and to thrive and to be everything that God your father wants you to be, to receive everything from a father that you need, and then to be able to actually be for things and not just against things in life. And you know, the, the ultimate turnaround is when you're able to give your dad what your dad was never able to give you because now you not only have your family tree, now you have a new family tree. And your new family tree is the family of God and you receive blessing in that tree that you can take back to that other tree and bless people in that tree. You know, it's hard. It's hard when you grow up with a dad deficit. It's hard to turn that around and get it going the other way. To be more specific, if you didn't have a father to see and approve you, it can be really hard to figure out how to be a father that sees and approves because we were shaped by what we got, and a lot of times we then dispense what we received. But you know, this is the power of the gospel. The gospel gospel is not just about getting us into heaven. It's about transforming us here on earth. The gospel is not just about, "I, I need a solution for the day I die. The gospel is about power to change me while I live. And I believe God wants to give today the gift of opening every man's eyes to see and to know that I am in Christ and I am a loved son of a perfect father. So how... How does the gospel transform us and and give us the power to live in this new identity, to live out of this new reality? I am a love son of a perfect father. Now, let me show you two ways that we respond 
to our perfect Father, this hope that he gives us, two ways that we can live in the truth and the reality that God is our perfect Father. And it boils down to this. We fight and we train. First, we fight. We, we fight against the enemies who try to steal our identity in Christ. Now, we need to defend. The enemy knows this truth is so vital. He's going to do everything he can to take it away. And just like people who are constantly trying to steal our identity today so they can steal what is ours, we have spiritual enemies who want to steal this truth of our identity in Christ. And it's so easy for us to lose what is ours, this reality that God is our perfect father, that we are loved children. You know, many of us, many of us, we, we live without this identity. We have this unhealthy, dysfunctional, fear-based relationship with God, and it's toxic. And, and the honest truth for some of you men is you do not approach God as a child. You know, the Bible identifies three enemies in particular. Listen to, listen to Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 2 and 3, Paul is describing in these verses the way that the world works. And he says this, he says, You once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. And what we see in these verses is that our enemies, they, they work against us by lying. And, and each one of us will hear different lies. Are you aware of those lies? Uh, do you see how those lies try to steal your identity as a child of God? Have you been listening to any of these lies? I want you to write some questions down and, and go back later and get real specific with yourself. Here's the first question that I want you to write down. What lies does the world tell me? Our world has given up on fatherhood in many ways. Our culture looks at all the toxic fathers and often communicates that there's no such thing as a, a pure and steadfast love of a father for his child. And the reality is just that far too many fathers are absent or abusive or just plain apathetic. Far too few children feel safe in their father's love. And we see, we see the fallout of poor fatherhood all around us, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, even in our own hearts. And the fallout of failed fatherhood produces hearts that find it hard to trust the love of a truly faithful and loving father. See, we live in a broken world. Things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Now, it's true some of us were blessed with good fathers. They were imperfect, but God used them greatly in our lives. But reality is many of us have never known this. Some of us, our, our fathers, were just absent much of the time, too busy working, too preoccupied with their own issues. It's like even when they were there, they weren't. And some of our fathers were abusive. Some of you were wounded in unspeakable ways by the very person who should have loved you, cared for you, protected you. And that makes this issue of identity very hard for you. Here's what I want to say to you. We must not allow the brokenness of our relationship with our earthly fathers to keep us from understanding and trusting the love of our heavenly father. So don't let your earthly father define your heavenly father. Let your perfect heavenly father speak his truth and his beauty and his goodness into your life and let him redeem what sin is broken. You know, deep in our souls, we know, we know that a father's love is meant to be life-giving, and God's is. A father's love is meant to be safe and pure. 
His is. A father's love should cause him to protect and to provide and to be present in his death. So don't, don't let the brokenness of the world eclipse your view of the love of a perfect father. In other words, don't let the lies of the world speak louder than God's truth. You know, the world's brokenness isn't the only thing that creates this battle in our souls. Sometimes our own flesh works against us. So here's the second question. What lies does my flesh tell me? You know this. We are all prone at times to question why God loves us and how he could love us and ultimately if he loves us. We, we look at ourselves and we know our sin and we think after all I've done, there's no way that God could really love me. You need to regularly remind yourself what God's word tells us, that we are saved by grace, not by our works, that we are saved by God's goodness, not our goodness. That's what Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 tells us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. God's word makes it clear that we, we live by grace as well. We're not just saved by grace. We live by grace after we're saved. God is always relating to us in his grace through his mercy. And so as you live, don't look at yourself. Look at the Father. His love is always based on who he is, not on who you are. His character, not your character. And his love is infinitely greater than all of your sin. You know, some of you find yourself doubting that a love like this can exist. And you look at your circumstances and, and you wonder if your father really cares. For some of you, it's your past that tempts you to think that you're unworthy, unlovable. I want you to listen to Romans 8, verses 31 and 32. Paul writes, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Here's what I want you to see. Please listen. The cross answers every question you have. Bottom line, if our perfect father would give us his only son, his perfect son, to die for us, to die for our sins, then how would he ever not accept you? So let the truth of God's word heal your wounds. Let the truth of God's word replace your doubt and fear. Let them all be washed away and replaced with the deep joy of God's amazing grace and love. Again, don't let the lies of your flesh speak louder than God's truth. And finally, we have a third enemy, and that's the devil. He's the enemy of our souls, and, and he delights in, in tempting us to doubt our true identity. So the third question is, what lies does Satan tell me? And his goal is always to make you believe that you're still a slave or an orphan or an illegitimate child, anything other than a dearly loved child of your father. You know, the lie of the slave says you have to work and work hard. You have to earn and keep the Lord's love. Mess up and you're out. Your worth is tied to your ability to produce and behave. The slave is always working, never resting. The lie of the orphan, that says you've been abandoned. You're all alone. No one really cares about you. No one's going to provide for you or protect you or love you. And then the lie of the illegitimate child, that, that lie says you don't really belong. You never did. The warmth and the joy of family life, that's for others. That's for others who are more deserving, more talented, more favored, more anything. So I want you to ask yourself, which of 
these lies do you struggle with the most? Has the world beaten you down in such a way that it hurts to even consider the love of a good father? Does your flesh rise up and point out all the reasons that you could never be loved in this way? Does the enemy tempt you to think of yourself as a slave who can never do enough or an orphan who will never be wanted enough or an illegitimate child who will simply never be enough? Again, don't, don't let the lies speak louder than the truth. So we need to fight. We need to fight against the lies that try to steal our identity. But here's, here's the second thing, and we need to train. We train to live out the reality of who God has made us in Christ. Again, listen to 1 John 3.1. It says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Friends, hear me. Please listen. That is reality. We are God's children. We are. So how do we live this out? I want to give you two ways two things that you can do that help you train. First, I reshape my mind and heart with God's word. I learn who I am in Christ from God's word, not the world. And I train my mind to see the reality as God sees it, not the way my flesh sees it. I train my heart. I stand against Satan's lies because the only antidote to the poison of these lies is the antitoxin of the truth of God's word. So we must train our minds and our hearts to believe and live according to God's truth. And I want to be really clear here. I'm, I'm not just talking about, you know, learning a, a few verses. These are verses that we have read. These are verses that we need to know. They're important. We, we need to learn them. And some of you especially need to memorize them. But I'm talking about something far deeper. True training of our minds comes when we saturate our thoughts with God's word. And so, men, listen, this is what that means. Every single one of us, We should be engaged in a lifelong project of reading and studying and meditating on God's Word. And that means you're opening the Bible regularly. You're reading through God's Word as often as you can, hopefully daily. You do it as much as you can because it's vital to your spiritual health and it's indispensable to you living out your true identity. You know, one of the the biggest problems that men face today is just the amount of time we spend entertaining and amusing ourselves and the honest truth is the, the reason we do that many times is to escape and medicate the pain we have from our fathers. We must receive the truth that, that God is our perfect father and he has placed us in a family and our true identity is that we are loved sons of a perfect father. And so men, let me just let's say this to you. Don't waste your life on Netflix or video games or social media I'm not saying you can't ever do any of those things, but don't waste your life on them. And whatever you do, however you live, give God's word and God's truth the priority it deserves. Train your mind to live out the truth, the reality that you are a loved son of a perfect heavenly father. See, the the truth is this. The truth can't speak louder than the lies if you're not listening to it. So you train your mind and heart with God's word. And then second... I reshape my mind and heart with prayer. I, I pray in line with the truth that God reveals in his word that I am his child. 
You know, like I said earlier, Jesus went out of his way to teach this. And as we saw a few moments ago, this perspective, God is Father, we are his children, it is embedded in the way that Jesus told us to pray. He told us we pray to our Father. That's who we're talking talking to. That's who's listening to us. That is who is speaking into our lives, our Father. And so we bring him our wounds. We bring him our, our pain. We seek out his wisdom and his guidance. We talk to him, our Father, and we allow his truth to shape our thoughts and shape our words and shape our actions. Now, I'm not telling you today all the ways you, you build a life that is tapping into God's word and tapping into prayer. We're not talking about all those details this morning. I'm just telling you, you've got to do it. You've got to do it if you want to make it in this world. You've got to do it if you want to thrive. You've got to do it if you don't want to do to your kids what your dad did to you. You've got to. So let prayer shape your heart. Learn to talk to God as a loving dad and and allow the reality that he is your father and you are his child to shape you. Now in all of this, everything I've been saying today, I know that there's some of you who've been listening. And right now maybe you're kind of saying, you know, I hear you, Mike. I mean, I think I understand, but the real reality is I never saw what you're talking about, and I don't really know what that looks like to, to live as a good man, to live as a good father. I want to show you one more passage. I think it holds the key that unlocks everything we've been talking about. It's in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, and we start with verse 1. This is what Paul writes. Paul says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. So what God is saying today is here's how it happens. You imitate me. And we say, imitate God? What? That's impossible. No. God says we can do it. God tells us to do it. But how? Well, look at the text again. It says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Do you see that? Can you say it with me? As dearly loved children children. So the way that we become fathers is by learning how to be children. We move into a relationship with our heavenly father by trusting in his grace, receiving his forgiveness for our sins, and thereby becoming one of his kids. And and then we get around other people who are God's kids, and that's what we call community and fellowship. That's, That's life in the body of Christ. And we learn from them. We learn from their mistakes. We draw on their wisdom. And it's not it's not that you don't still want your father's approval. You'll, you'll probably always long for that in some way, but it doesn't have to paralyze you, and it doesn't have to damage your relationships today. You know, the way we, we break out of that, yes, it's a process. It takes time, but it begins, and it can begin today, by getting into the posture of being dearly loved children of God. You know, I, I look at this verse and I think it's so powerful because it says, be imitators. It doesn't say to do something. It says to be something. That means to start with, you need to be something. And here's the great news. God takes care of that. It's God who gives birth to all his children. You are now born again. And the Bible says that means you now have God's DNA inside you. You now have the nature. You now have the power to grow up and look like your heavenly father. And the second thing that you have going for you 
is that you already have God speaking his approval over your life simply because you are his. I love that moment in Matthew chapter 3 where Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And you'll remember this story. It tells us that as Jesus was baptized, the, the heavens opened and a dove descended and a voice came out of heaven that said this, verse 17, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine that moment? Just think about it. Jesus was 30 years old. This is the beginning of his ministry. And he hasn't done one miracle yet. To our knowledge, he hasn't done any teaching yet. He hasn't resisted temptation for 40 days in the wilderness yet. Hasn't walked on water yet or fed 5,000 yet. He hasn't healed the sick or raised the dead yet. He hasn't died on the cross yet. But a voice from heaven still says, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. Why so pleased? I think if you'd asked God that, maybe he would have spoken again from heaven and he would have said, I will tell you why, listen to me, this one is mine. He's mine. Now Jesus did walk on water. He did heal the sick and raise the dead. He fed 5,000 and cared for people who'd been left behind. He did hang on the cross and take our sins and give his life as a gift for you and for me so that we could be forgiven and free. But God loved him and accepted him before he did any of that. And the power of Jesus Christ as the son of almighty God living on earth was that he moved through life from the father's acceptance, not for the father's acceptance. And he is showing us today, men, that yes, we can learn how to be good dads and great husbands and we can accomplish great things and live our purpose and lead our families and leave a legacy. We can do what men are wired to do, but not so that we can get someone's approval. We do it because we already have the greatest approval that anyone could ever have. I want to be an imitator of God. Do you? But here's what I want to tell you. That will only happen to the degree that I see myself as a dearly loved child. We all long for one thing, to know that we are the son of a father who takes delight in us, who sees us, who wants to be involved in our lives, who affirms us simply because we are his. And I know everyone who's listening to me wants that. And the beauty of what Jesus has done is this. Everyone who is listening to me can have that in Jesus. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And that's where it starts, but then it begins to work itself out in real time, in real life. And, and I don't know who is listening to me right now, but I do know that whoever is listening to me, you want to know that you are a dearly loved son of a father. And some of you may be right now realizing, I have spent too long trying to prove my dad wrong. I have spent too long trying to get something that I know by now is never coming. But maybe you will say, I never saw it so clearly before that I already have what I need. 
And when you get that, when you see that, when you know that, it sets you free to do what the next verse says, Ephesians 5.2. Listen to both of these verses together again. This is what Paul writes. He says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So you're loved by that sacrificial love. And now you go and you walk in that love. You go live a life of love every step of your life, giving to your wife, giving to your kids, giving to all those around you what God has already given to you. Wherever you go, men, God is with you. He's walking beside you. He's giving you in Christ his love and his approval simply because you're his child. He may be challenging you along the way. He may be correcting you, sometimes rebuking you. But every single step of the way, he is saying to you, this one is mine. This one is born of God. He belongs to my family. He's a child of the king. This one right here, he's my boy. And I love that boy. And I'm proud of that boy. And you need to know everywhere you go, this is true. And here's the way it works. In time, as you receive that and process that, and you're grateful for that, you walk in it, you live in it, you learn how to enjoy it, and that starts to be what is coming out of you. You will give what God has given to you to the people around you. And you'll be blessed, and your family will be blessed. And God will be honored. Would you bow your heads as we pray together? Father, we thank you that we can call you Father. You are our perfect Father, and we love you. And we thank you, Lord, for loving us first. Thank you for giving Jesus to die for our sins. Thank you for saving us and adopting us into your family. Lord, we ask you to help us today, help us tomorrow, help us on into the future to live in the reality that we are dearly loved children. That is what we are. May we show your love, God. May we shine your light to the world that so desperately needs Jesus. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone everywhere, wherever you are now says, Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope to see you later today, dads, at our Father's Day drive through I hope you will have an awesome day, and I hope you will have a blessed week. We will see you again next Sunday.